guys, welcome to the guys. I just, this morning I woke up and was, um, we spent um, a few days on the farm a few weeks ago. And um, on the farm there are, and I'm going to tell you the story because it just got brought up to me this morning during worship. And, I, and just this morning during our prayer time, we just prayed as a team, we just really felt that God was saying there's a, there's a new season coming, there's a season of refreshing, there's a season of, you know, just an open heaven starting to come and God starting to pour out something new in our lives. And I know it's been a hectic last couple of years, it's been a year where we don't know if we're going to make it or not. But I really believe all in my heart that there's a new season coming. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about 2022. I think it's going to be the most amazing year ever. I think God's going to blow our minds this year. But uh, we went to the farm and uh, on the farm there's, there's 850 Angora goats. So you can imagine that uh, they're all in the south. This massive, massive, massive farm. And uh, my son gets into his buffy at 45 in the day. And he starts to ride, and he rides a circle. And while he rides a circle, he just hoots the bucket. <laughs> and as he hoots, you just take these O's come from every angle, from every corner of this farm, from you name it. And they all just come, and they all start to gather. And my mom, she was hurting, she was 75, I'm 75. And you actually got your gut, walk first. But, but it was amazing that the 850 of these, these guys just come together like this and they just walk and they know exactly where they're going and they're all going to the pen and of course you get counted and that's a drama on its own because I didn't do very well at maths, but anyway. Um, and I just reminded this morning, God, God just gave me a prophetic picture this morning and God says to me, we're in the season, but if you listen carefully, you're going to hear the hooter. God is saying to you this morning that we're in a season. But those that you thought would never come to Christ are on their way. And I'm telling you now, God is busy gathering His church right now. Listen to that tweet. Listen to that people on the bucket. Listen to it. It's coming. And as we gather and as we draw together, I believe God's going to do something insane. Thanks for that worship, guys, this morning. Guys, you can't get this online. Alright. But you can't come to church because there's no space for you guys, alright? So, uh, which is really good. I'm going to continue my preaching this morning. Last week, uh, in those of you who you haven't heard, I spoke last week on the Jezebel spirit, how the Jezebel spirit can affect people. And so, um, you know, we, we went through that. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go to our website, asfamilychurch.co.za, or you can go to our Facebook page, Asus Family Church PE. And you click onto the video, it's called uh, The Gate of Intimidation, Part 1. And YouTube and Podbean. And YouTube and Podbean, it's all on there. So just go and watch last week, because if I'm going to recap from last week, then we're not going to miss out the whole today's sermon, okay? So I want to read you today, because there are two parts in the Word of God. One we find in Kings, where God speaks about the Jezebel spirit. He speaks about the woman called Jezebel, the woman that intimidates, you know, the whole thing of manipulation, control, blah, blah, blah. And I want you to catch up next week. But there's a second place that God speaks about Jezebel's spirit it's in the book of Revelations. And uh, he's speaking to the church of God here and he's, he's, he's having a conversation with them. And I want to catch up on that because last week I spoke very much about the Jezebel spirit in a person. But now I want to ask you something. Is it possible that the church can be, have a Jezebel spirit in it? And so I'm speaking about a church. What does the church look like that has a Jezebel spirit in it that is run 
controlled not by a person but by a spirit so we've got to understand that the Jezebel spirit is a spirit it is not a person you know I I phone calls this week of God's strength and wives out with the Jezebel you know who knows and now I'm joking but, but you've got to understand it's a spiritual battle that is going on it is not a physical thing you also got to understand that some of the points that I mentioned last week not if your wife has 3 out of 10 she's not a Jezebel Alright, because most of us have some of those points in our, in our lives. So not everyone is carrying that thing. It's the end goal. Is what does that person want to achieve with that spirit? That is what it's about. If it comes to be destruction and, and destroy things, then we carry something. But it's not just everyone that carries it. So I want to speak to you, to read to you this morning quickly. I'm going to be reading out of Revelation chapter 2. And I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be reading from chapter or verse 18 and I want you to just listen carefully to what the Word of God has to say to you this morning and I know it's a very different message for most of you but I believe it's something we need to get into the open something we need to lay out there and next week when we do our vision Sunday we have all something here okay alright and so he carries on says and to the angel of the church of Tiberia writes these things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass I know your works, love, service, faith, your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because your love and woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her ways. Alright, uh, uh, repent of her sexual morality, and she did not repent. And indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall be known, shall know that I am he who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give to each one according to his works. Verse 34 says, Now to you I say, and to the rest in the Tiberia, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depth of Satan, as to say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed, and they shall be dashed to the pieces like a potter's vessel. And also I have received from my father, and I will give to him the morning star. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Now let me just give a little bit of background here quickly. That John is on the island of Patmos. So this whole thing takes place in Asia Minor, which is basically Turkey today. So if you look at the map of Turkey today, of Asia Minor, you find that the seven churches almost go in a circle. Alright? And in the seven churches, we can work through some other types of other churches, um, John starts to write letters to the seven churches. But it's not just one letter to a church. You've got to understand, it's letter churches that have here, here, what the Spirit has to say. So the seven letters go to all seven churches right around. Now, now this was about 95 AD. So this, John wrote the 65 years after Jesus was resurrected. 65 years. Alright? And so he wrote this book. Why? Because with Unlock Patmos, and he says Jesus appeared to him and gave him the book of Revelation. Now, often we think Revelation is the end time teaching. 
Alright? I don't believe Revelation, Revelation in that vision. I do believe it's a now. I believe God is speaking to us now. Yes, there are signs of what the end times will look like, but you know what? So does Matthew have things of what the end times looks like. So does Luke have writings of what the end times looks like. For me, we cannot, most people avoid the book of Revelation. Because if you don't understand it, or you don't want to read it, or it's too hectic, or it's too harsh, I promise you, you need to read the book of Revelation because it's a now book. It's very important. You've got to understand that when John wrote um, this, he was really over 100 years old. The average age for many of those days was about 50, 55 that lived. The reason why John was on the island of Patmos was because he wouldn't die. And it's true. You go read it. So what happened was the government couldn't get rid of him. At one stage they put him in a massive pot with boiling oil to kill him. And the word says, and he still continued to preach. And he got out of the pot of boiling oil with not a mark on him. And so they couldn't kill him, so they exiled him to a pot of Patmos. You know, that shifting someone to Lorraine. Just put it out there. Alright? And so, whenever God speaks to the, three, the seven churches, there's three things that He does. Alright? The first thing that He does is simply this, that He commends them. And so every time you read one of the letters, there's a commendation. You know, well done. You guys have done great. The second part will always be a correction in what it is that you're doing wrong to the church. Alright? And then the last part of every scripture will be God in counsel. And God counsels the church. So I want to just go through a few things with you this morning. Alright? You've got to understand something that when we read this scripture, it speaks to, to all the church. And I believe that every church somewhere along the line, not only has to watch out for the Jezebel spirit, but every church somewhere along the line needs to take care notice of all seven of these complaints. Because of 22 years in ministry, you know what? We've been the loveless church. In 27 years, we've been the compromising church. In the 27 years, the 22 years, we've been, and believe me, I got probably the biggest heart in my life preparing this message. Because I realized how often I've allowed the Jezebel spirit to control this church. In our confessing years. And I only realized when I started preparing my sermons, okay God, what is it that you say to me? Now you've got to understand something that the, the, the town of Pythagoras was a town that had a big statue of Apollos in, in the middle of it. And Apollos was the son of Zeus, which was the God. So that would be known as the city of the son of the gods. So whenever you read any other scripture in, in, in the seven churches, it says, let them hear what the angel of the Lord has to say. When Paul, when John writes this thing, Jesus says this to him. He says, um, he carries and says, these things says the son of God. It's the only place where he mentions, this says the son of God. So when we speak about a church that has a Jezebelic spirit and a controlling spirit, we need to look at a few things this morning, and I'm going to ask you to speak to you quickly about what will the church look like that is under the control of a Jezebelic spirit. And you need to listen carefully this morning, because I think, you know what the problem with church life is today, is that I think the church hasn't got a very good reputation. Yeah. I think Jesus speaks about the church being, and us being the salt of the earth. The light of a city on a hill that cannot be done. When he speaks about the church, the word of God says that he's coming for one that is without spot and without blemish. You know, and when we look around us today, I mean, come on guys, you know, I don't even just PE, but every single day on News 24, the Herald or something, some pastors be locked up for something. You know, right this, um, this week I read about a pastor that, uh, that came from Zimbabwe and 
went to a restaurant and spent 1.2 million because he just wanted to bless people because God had blessed him. Yeah. You know how many houses you can build 1.2 million right You know, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's madness out there. I think the reputation of the church has been tarnished. I really do. I think in our days when we were kids, um, the church was a place that was honor. There was a place of respect. You respected your leaders in the church. You respected your pastor in the church. We respected the government. We respected policemen. We respected our firemen. There was a respecting all of our nation. And, and all of a sudden there's this dishonoring that takes place. And all of a sudden there's a strangeness in church life that basically all that pastor is going to do is fall in views and pay their bills. But we lose his sight of what God is really saying to the church. What is our purpose on earth? And I think we've always got to start there. What is our purpose? Why did God create church? Why did God create a fellowship together? And God created the fellowship together that we might be all things to all men. That this would be a place where people gather. We go read Acts 2. The word of God says that they prayed together. They shared everything they had. They broke bread together. You know, they, they, they shared the apostles' doctrine. And nobody and none of them lacked or needed anything. And so what was, was the church basically was a spiritual hospital for those that are broken. And so I remember watching Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Who remembers that? You're going to give away your age now. Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. There was a pastor there. Remember the pastor? Hey, the one day he was busy soaring off the leg in the surgery. The next day he was preaching. The next day he was fixing a wagon wheel. You know, the next day he was in the classroom. The following Sunday he was preaching. And I always had that analogy stuck in my head. That he was everything that the people needed him to be. That when people had problems, they didn't run to the psychologist, a lot of people psychologists, but they ran to the church. You know, when people were battling financially, they didn't run to the bank manager, they came to the pastor, they didn't seek counsel. And we've lost that. We've lost that ability to speak into people's lives. We've lost the ability to see people change. We've lost the ability to see marriages healed with the people delivered it, and people set free. Because we've become so busy with church that we've forgotten what the purpose of church is about. And so when we get to a church that operates in the Jezebelic spirit, there's a 10 or 12 things that are mentioned that you always need to look out for. And even in this church, alright? And the first thing is, there will be a spirit of manipulation in the church. Manipulation and control will always go together. I have I've seen many pastors that, that, that get people to do the craziest stuff. You know, I've had, you, you guys, I don't have the pictures, you guys have seen guys be squirting with two. Am I right? You guys have seen the stupid stuff that is happening. You guys have seen people freaking having snakes in church. We've seen this stuff. Now that is a manipulating and controlling spirit. Other than it's a wicked. There was a guy that made people eat a dog. Because then they received their healing. Now I'm asking you with tears in my eyes, where in the word of God does that stand? Or is the problem this that we don't know the word of God? Is it, maybe that is the problem. Maybe we don't understand the word of God. Because let me tell you something. If you're a blood-washed, spiritual believer, there is no way you can allow this kind of nonsense to happen around you. I don't care if I'm starving, I'm not eating a dog. Never mind, you're fast to me. And there's even worse incidences that I can't mention on the pulpit that are happening. And so there's a spirit of control and manipulation. People are almost, like I'm going to say this, people are almost under a spell. Can I put it that way? Third thing, be careful of false doctrine and teaching. And that will be evident in the Jezebelic church. That there will be a, 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 a false doctrine, a false teaching that will mislead people completely from the things of God. That's the second thing. The third thing, there will be, be silencing of the gifting. 
There'll be no operational gifting, no prophetic will be speaking, no teaching will take place, no apostolic council, none of that will take place. So when that gets missing out of church, you need to ask yourself, what is happening? Where are we in this thing? Secondly, they control oh, they control the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that. that. As soon as the Holy Spirit moves, what happens? We shut it down very quickly. We say, no, we don't want this happening in the church. We don't want this happening in the church. We don't want that happening in the church. And the problem is this, is that if you take the Holy Spirit out of this meeting, we are just having the meeting. It's like we're all gathering for no reason. So basically, if the Holy Spirit is not present in this building, then you all just come to listen to me. And I'm not that good. I'm attractive, but I'm not that good. <laughs> and so think about that. Think about that. That if you're coming to church for man, there's a concern. If you're coming to church for an encounter with God, there's something that changes. If you come to listen to devil sing some song, there's a problem. If you're coming to enter into the presence of God, then you're in the right place. And so you've got to understand that the gifts are absolutely depleted at the end of the day. Alright? It will bring pride into your building. It will bring pride into your church. Where people will just boast themselves that we've seen this. We've seen, you know, we went to, to Kenya probably about, ooh, about 16 years ago. And, uh, and I'm not speaking badly about the Kenyan pastors, just listen to me quickly. But there was a spirit of religion that we have never seen before in Kenya. The problem was that every other nation was coming to Kenya to help Kenya. And so one week it was us Africans that were there, and this next week was Australians that came, and they brought all the gifts and, and offerings and practices and milk, you know, and the following week was the guys from New Zealand, and then there was the guys from America, and every week they would have these big crusades every single day in the parks, and 5,000 people would recommit their life to God every single day, because everyone that recommit their life got some kind of gift. And they would walk out and go, well, we have 5,000 conversions today. But they say 5,000 gave the last Lord yesterday when you preach. And so they would say to us, as I remember, they would say to us, no, no, if we're going to preach the word of God, we had to wear a sheep and a tie. So in Kenya, that's the way to go. But that's the spirit of religion. It's the spirit of religion. I, I believe you, God has got a clue what I'm wearing right now. All right? Because it's not about the outward appearance. I'm also be careful, you know, don't get up here with a mini skirt kind of thing. You know what I'm There's reverence. You know? But I mean, they wanted us to wear these suits. Why? Because they've been indoctrinated something that wasn't in the Word of God. And I can pick on religion, but sometimes wear these funny hats and robes and all this kind of thing. Why? Why? Let me tell you something. That when you start, when your pastor starts to wear robes and hats and all kinds of stuff, it's all for self-edification. And self-edification is the spirit of pride. And that's what happens when this, when everything is turned to me, when everything is turned to the elders, when everything is turned to someone in your church, and they believe that the outward appearance you have to respect and honor you don't. Let me tell you something, don't you dare honor and respect what this is. You honor and respect what comes out of this and what my behavior is like. That is the most important thing in church life. Alright? The spirit of pride comes in, you'll start to get a watered-down gospel. We don't speak the truth, we don't call sin sin. All of a sudden, we're in a church that is compromising. All of a sudden, we're in a church that doesn't want to offend people. All of a sudden, we don't speak about the stuff. And all we do is we preach a little gospel that keeps everybody happy, but leaves no one to repentance. There's no repentance in the church. There's a lack of accountability in the church. 
There's a lack of correction in the church. And these are big things. These are things because I want my pastor to keep me accountable. I want my husband or my wife to keep me accountable. And that is important because every one of us need to be accountable to someone. You know, it, it, yeah, if we don't go down that road. There's no form of evangelism. There's no form of evangelism. And yet the word of God clearly says in, in, that, in that first one, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. We need to look around and say, when lost if we make disciples? When lost we evangelize? You've got to understand that when the church has Jezebelic spirit in it, what is the first thing that needs to stop? Evangelism. Why? Because the lost aren't coming to Christ, those in Christ aren't growing, and we aren't changing our community. We walked in this for a long time as a church. Let me tell you something. This was a big idea. And you said to me yesterday, he says, but I love it when you preach. I've got you your hiding while you preach. I said, no, I hear that. <laughs> Very important. That will bring division in the church. And so quite the super Mikey, you know, you know, that they have the pastor really say that to you. I'm so offended for your parts. You know. <laughs> Be careful. Quite the super Mikey, when there's division in the church, when everybody's not on the same page, there's a problem. And so you've got to understand something. There are people amongst us right now that bring the vision. They don't even know they bring the vision. And what does the vision mean? It's not a controlling spirit that you have to do everything the pastor says. Is that if the body is of one mind and has believed in our statement is that we want to see the lost country Christ, those in Christ grow and our community change around us. If we are not seeing that happen in our church, there's an issue. But there are people sitting amongst us that they thrive on division. They thrive on forming their own little groups, their own little cliques, their own little clans. They draw people unto themselves. Be careful of division. Sexual immorality. We don't speak about sexual immorality. We don't speak about pornography. We don't speak about the stuff that we watch on TV. Why? Because we can offend someone. I'm going to be blunt. Let me tell you something, 20 years ago, when I started this church, there were things that I refused to watch on TV. And now all of a sudden, we just breeze over it. We know the book about it. We used to put a movie on with too much swearing and it was like, I will not watch this movie. You know, fornication and all these kinds of things, and we would switch off the TV. And now we start turning our head over and it just blows over. You know what happens? All of a sudden, that seed is born in your head all the single time. Okay? All the time. And the Jezebel Spirit, the Word of God says, that He says to that church, He says, that I have this against that she calls up a prophet to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality and eat things that are sacrificed to idols. What do you mean by sacrificed to idols? Things that are holy, we are conceiving and making of no value. The church becomes a place of entertainment and not a place of His presence. And I want to say this to you, and, and to my online congregation, I'm ready to throw that camera out of the window. Because whether we like it or not, that thing controls what happens here. Because that thing controls what time limit we have, how many songs we sing, how deep do we get to the presence of God, how do we pray for people. I'm not about to pay, I've got no cameras, I've got no fancy stuff here. Because none of that stuff matters. Not once that people say, oh good, thank you Jesus. 
that you're going to knock your 33 k recording because that saved my life. Oh, but I'm going to thank you for the blue light because that really changed me. You see, we're missing the purpose. And when we get to a church that is more entertainment driven and what this looks like and how professional we are and how great we are, we're in a bad place. We're in a bad place. You know, we should be content with meeting under the tree in the park right now. Yes. Let me tell you something. The best time of worship I had this morning was when they worshiped each other. <laughs> and I'm not being horrible, Gil. The best worship this morning, I got goosebumps when this was quiet. And you were singing. Because that to me was worship this morning. Yes, they led us. But this was worship this morning. I mean, who got goosebumps just when you guys sing? Correct. The church becomes complacent finally. And when the church becomes complacent, then So let it be, let it be. You know, also we just we just come to church. We just do church. We're walking here, sing a couple of songs, listen to a sermon, like it on Facebook, go home, we've done our Christian duty. And not one of us has changed, not one of us are challenged, and not one of us are moved into the things of God. And the word of God says simply this, I have this against you. Do not tolerate it in your church. He speaks to the church, he says, don't tolerate it. What he's saying, don't give it an inch. Don't give it an inch. Don't give it a foothold. Don't, don't, because someone was talking in, 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 in all kinds of stuff. You've got to understand something. That in a church, the, the biggest thing that destroys pastors, let me tell you something, to be honest with you, the things that destroy pastors, you know what destroys pastors? Women, and money. Yes. Yes. Check out many church clothes. Women and money. The one's running off the you and you running off the other one. And it's a fact. How many pastors have lost their calling because of women? How many pastors have lost their calling because of money? That it becomes the most important thing. And all of a sudden you have an affair, an affair, an affair of you, when that spirit of the sexual immorality is the church, it's spread up all fire. Spread up all fire. We've dealt with this, not once, not twice, a couple of times in church life. And we've got to be careful because that is one of the first signs that the Jezebelic spirit in the church. How do we overcome the Jezebelic spirit in the church? Well, James 4 says a very simple thing, verse 7. He says this, Submit to God, Listen to me. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will No, you can't know that scripture. Eh? Submit to God. So what do we do as a church? What do we do as believers? Yeah, you know, this morning, even if you're operating or you know someone just by the spirit of church, one thing God says, oh yeah, I'm lost. I'm not manifesting, I'm just putting up a teacher. <laughs> submit to God. Submit your life to God. Submit your church. Submit your leadership. Submit your calling to God. He says, resist the devil. That means not entertain it. You don't speak to your sin. You run away from your sin. Now listen to me. You don't speak to your sin. You run away from your sin. Men, listen to me. The lady that pops up on your Facebook in the beginning. And I'm being serious. I have got probably eight of them in the last two weeks. And every single time it comes into my face, I say, Chantal, come together. You know why? Because things that are hidden, cannot, the devil can only work with that which is hidden. Yeah. You cannot work with that which is exposed. Yeah. I open that thing, I say, Chantal, look at this, another invitation. Some are from Moscow, Russia, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know? 
Sarge. And no pizza, because you're too short. <laughs> and you know the problem is? Men, listen to me, we entertain this. Yeah. We click onto the page quickly to see if there's anything else. No, no. The word of God says resist. That means ignore it completely. I promise you, you need one set of, I mean, one bikini lady on your page. Hey? And all of a sudden it goes popper ass. All of a sudden this thing goes crazy. All of a sudden, what, what else? What else? Listen to me. Guys, listen to me. Resist the devil. Alright, and you will flee. Um, you see, this is where we know constantly we're under attack. The Word of God says that when we submit these things that we struggle with, and look, believe me, we've all got struggles. You know, we've all got issues, we've all got, we, men are men, women are women, we've all got our issues. But I want to say this to you, as minute that it comes up in your life, go to God. Listen to me, take it to the Father. Very important, right? Secondly, Joshua, Joshua 6, verse 18. And uh, I'm not going to read to you, Joshua 6, verse 18, write this down, and then Joshua 7, verse 1. But it's a story of that Joshua crosses over into the promised land. And, and he crosses over and we know that they had this big battle at, at, at um, Jericho. Yeah. And so the word of God says to him, march seven times around the city, the walls fall down, we know the story. But God gives a clear indication, he says, do not touch anything from the holy place. Do not obtain anything, do not take anything out of the city, nothing from the holy place. And the word of, we know that it's a massive victory, the walls collapse, anything falls to pieces. The next time they have to face a town called Ai, Ai, alright? And they go there and the army goes back and says, Joshua, ah, spend up 3,000 men because they're so small. And next minute they get their asses handed to them. And all of a sudden they're going to Joshua, God, what's going on? What's going on? And God says, be careful, somebody has taken something that of the holy place and put it amongst you. What was he saying? What was he saying? He was saying this. Don't think that you can take something from other religions and other cultures and add it to Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to me. Because you will say defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. You cannot be involved in, in Eastern meditation and come sit down on Sunday morning and want to pray Jesus. Listen to me. What is holy is holy. And what is God is God's. And you cannot mix the two. Oil and water don't mix. And we're going to be very careful because there's a lot of old traditions and things and superstitions and craziness that we try and bring into the house of God. Alright? And it will not work. Because we will suffer defeat after defeat after defeat. Alright? Keep the stuff out of the house. And lastly, I will say, uh, sorry, thirdly, I will say John 8, verse 31 and 32. Let's turn to John 8, verse 1 and 32. I'm going to read to you quickly. And I think this is so important that I've mentioned to you before this morning. That Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him, listen to this, If you abide in my word. Okay? This is the instruction. If you abide, what does abide mean? To live in. Alright? To dwell in. If you live and abide in my word, you are my disciples. Your true followers of Christ. He said that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You. The angel of falling Keep the word of God in your mouth. Get to know the word of God. 
Let me tell you something. There's no easier way to see whether you're a Jezebelic church or not. It's the Word of God. If the Word doesn't say it, then you're in the wrong church. If, if your pastor's doing stuff that are ungodly, then you know. And lastly, I will say this you. Pray for each other and pray for your leadership. It is so important. It is so important that you do this. So one, don't bring ungodly things into your life and expect God to bless you. Secondly, stay in the Word of God more than ever. More than ever in what it is that you're doing. Alright? Learn to submit to God. Learn to resist the devil. Those are key things. And fourthly, know that you have to be praying for each other daily. Now listen to me, guys. Listen to me. So prayer is probably the most powerful thing that you and I have in our Christian arsenal. And it's the thing that is most underutilized. I mean, let's be honest with each other this morning. Let's be, let's call a spade a spade. And I don't want to put up your hands. But how many of you genuinely spend time praying for each other? Not just, ah, oh, John, just take care of Jesus and John, you know, Lord, and uh, you know, Lord, just, uh, uh, just bless Stephen today, Lord. How many of us really take time to pray for our loved ones, to pray for our kids, to pray for their salvation, to pray for their difficult times? How many of us really pray for our spouses that God, thank you for marrying, thank you for what you need to, thank you for what you need to the family, thank you for what you need to the body. How many of us do that? That we genuinely have to see real time praying for each other. We don't. You know, we just breeze over this stuff. I find myself most of the time this morning, just in my quiet time, before I even thank God for who he was, I was not asking for suffering. And right there, I stopped and I went, wait, what are you doing? You haven't even honored God yet. You haven't even thanked him for what he has done. And now you want to ask him for more stuff. And this morning I just stopped and I said, oh, thank you for who you are. Thank you for where I am. You know, you could be in the worst place in your life right now. But I want to say this. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, God says that you're still the apple of his eye. He knows you by name and he has found faith in his sight. The word says, you know, that you've got the whole world in his hands. Guess what? You're part of it. And I don't care how tough things look right now. I don't care how difficult things look right now. I don't think uh, if things are falling apart around you. Let me tell you something. Sometimes things aren't falling apart. Sometimes they're falling into place. Yeah. I read an article in closing yesterday about Rick Warren. And uh, he was speaking encouraging the churches. And he was saying that the last 18 months, he's counseled more pastors that are leaving the ministry than the last 52 years of ministry. At the moment, 1,800 pastors in America are put in the ministry every single week. 1,800 pastors. And you know what the thing is? We've lost our faith. Why? Because we let everything else destroy us. But yet the Word of God says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, when we lose hope, there's a big difference in our lives. And, and, and we've got to understand something. We've got to learn to push through. And when things get tough, you know what the best thing to do is? Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. We get far too complicated. We think something fall apart around us. Let's do the basics well. And once you've done the basics well, we can allow God to give increase in your life and in my life. 
And so I trust that you understood what I'm saying this morning. I pray this morning that you'll give me account of what I preached this morning. And you'll remind me that there's certain things that are that we need to sort out in our lives, not just in our life, but in church and in our life groups and, and all these kinds of things. And I really want to pray and I want to ask God you guys as we get into the Word of God. Get into final prayer. Let, let me give you a challenge. Just choose, choose five people this week that you want to pray for. Out there. Five. So go home and just write down five people's names on a piece of paper and stick it on your cupboard. Because you're all going to be dressed every single day. Okay? Stick it on your cupboard. And tell you what, pray for those five people. You don't ask for a thing. You trust God for those five people's lives to be changed. And next week we'll change. And I can promise you that if you're in the Word of God, and you're in the presence of God, and you spend time in prayer, be very, very, and anticipate. Uh, uh, anticipate. Expect it, sorry man. Expect it for God to do something. Amen. Alright, let's, let's stay. I don't want to close in prayer this morning. And Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I know it's a very different message to what we normally preach. But Father, we also come to a place this morning of understanding that you are God. And there is none like you. And Father, there needs to be order in your house. And only when there's order in your house and, and the root of blows, that we may know that the loss is going to come in. The broken is going to come towards your church. Those that I need, those that desperately need you, are on their way back. And so Father, I want to thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy this morning. I want to thank you, Father, that you are the God of the impossible. Lord, I want to thank you that as we sang a song this morning, your goodness is all over us, Father. And if you're standing here this morning, church, and you know what you realize this morning, you've got to get things right for God. You know, things haven't been the way they should be. Even in my life, over the last couple of weeks, I've really had to search my heart for ministry, search my heart in what it is that God was saying. There were things that I neglected, there were things that I didn't see that were quintessentially in my life, but they were. And we're all not going to be warriors tomorrow. But I know that one step forward is a step in the right direction. And you might have a lot of questions and you might have a lot of hurts in your heart right now. And you might be angry. And you might be unforgiveness in your heart. There might be bitterness. And, you know, you might be angry with God for what has happened in your life. And, come on. We all carry this stuff. This is not me speaking to one person. This is me speaking to everyone in you. And the more we try to serve God and the more we try to come back, that thing just draws us away. But I thank you, Father, who would say that in your presence there is peace and joy and deliverance. In your presence there is healing. In your presence there is salvation. And maybe this is your time to say, Father, here I am. Father, here I am. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I want to come back to you. I want to sort my life out.
Maybe you're not just the kind of thing to be overwhelmed right now. And maybe you just need bread. Or maybe you just need to say, Father, I I need to commit my life to you. I need to recommit my life to you. And if that is you, I want you just to put up your hand where you are and put it down. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. 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 Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. 